This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey, just about to 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. With me is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Another day, another week gone by. Craziness in the market. we got a lot of things to talk about here this morning, as always. So, uh, <clears throat> and before I forget, let me go with the phone numbers. Uh, we'll, we'll start taking calls probably about 20, 25 minutes or so. We've got some important things to cover. Uh, phone numbers here to join the show, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion about what you want to talk about. And Chase, one thing I didn't realize, a lot of people like the two-hour format, don't they? I know. We, we just keep getting compliments on it. I, I guess uh, we're glad we made that decision to, yeah. to go two hours, and I, I'm glad... And the listeners are enjoying it. Yeah. And it still zooms on by for two hours. It just goes very quickly. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> sometimes, other times I'm a little tired, but for the most part, it zooms by. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is like, okay, I was out too late on Friday night, but I got, okay, yeah. Still got to do it. Yeah. So, and, and actually, I've been doing this show again for 28 years. Uh, and it hasn't always been at eight o'clock. It, it was at one point uh, for a little while, it was on the evenings. Uh, on a very, very small station here in San Diego. But uh, now 8 o'clock Saturday mornings, that's what we're known for is being here to help people get ready for Monday morning. Let's talk about what happened this past week in June. Well, June was a hot month for buying stocks. $28 billion invested in individual stocks and exchange-traded funds. You know, we haven't seen this much buying since the year 2014. It's a lot flown into equities. And and one thing I I do kind of want to point out here is – it was kind of rotation back into your tech-heavy names, your your big tech stocks. They they've done well. I know Apple and Microsoft. They've they've hit records again. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited. You're I'm, excited. What are you excited, excited about? Some of the value companies that oh, okay. we like to invest in, they've pulled back about 10, 15. I've seen some pull back as much as 20 percent. Well, okay, now let's clarify this for people. You're excited because things are going down. Exactly. But yet things are going up. I mean, so let's kind of explain as a people why we're excited when things go down. I mean, this is such an important concept for people to grasp. And we always tell people this. We don't buy the stock market. We buy our businesses. And the thing that you have to look at is you're going to have periods of underperformance. Guess what? Oh, the Dow's up 100 points. You might be down some days. That's okay. But guess what? On the other side of that, the Dow and the S&P could be down and you could be up. There's not this one-to-one correlation of your stocks going up and the, the market going up. And especially if, as we've seen this rotation back into big tech, I'm so excited because we were being patient for the last few months and we couldn't find anything to buy. Yeah. It's like, ah, just can't find anything. And in our own portfolios and our clients' portfolios, we had new money coming in. We had some sales earlier this year and we just couldn't find things to buy. Well, now we're getting that opportunity. And, and it's not completely fun because you love to see your portfolio go up every single <laughs> exactly. day, but it's just not reality. You have to look for those good buying opportunities. I think we're seeing some great ones, especially since we don't like the big tech. Even though it keeps going higher, 
the higher it goes, the more worried I get about it. And oh, yeah. last year we saw this period where it went way up, and then it just plateaued for months. And I think we're going to see that again. It's up, and I think it's going to pull back, and it's just going to plateau. I, I, I just don't see how Microsoft and Apple can continue to climb, and, and what are they going to do, trade it 30 times earnings? I, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't make any sense at all, and that's usually a problem that's going to happen down the road. It could happen Monday. It could happen a year from now. But uh, one thing, too, I was kind of surprised on, and, and I haven't done that much reading on it research, but I believe uh, we talked in the office that Microsoft, the government pulled back that big deal for them, didn't Yeah, the they? Jedi. The Jedi. And so we're looking at, okay, there's other companies that will get it now, but it didn't seem to affect Microsoft at all. I mean, in terms of their revenue, it wasn't a – it's a big contract, but, it but like five billion or something. Uh, I I don't know. I, I want to say it was ten billion. But it was over like ten years. 10 so years. it's okay. not like it wasn't a huge percentage of Microsoft's right. revenue. It's not like it's going to dismantle Microsoft, but it doesn't help. Right. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a benefit. Sure. <laughs> so I I just I really think what's happening right now is we've seen over the last month month and a half. I, I'm going to call it a flight to safety, mm-hmm. and you've seen the ten year note drop, which surprises the heck out of me. I. I don't understand. We're going to talk a little bit more about inflation here shortly, but I think the ten-year notes trade around one three two. I saw it earlier yeah, one three seven somewhere somewhere on that. It's not range. above one four. It's not. Yeah, not and I think there's some concern. I don't know concern about what at this point. I think we've seen such a big run in your cyclical and, and a lot of your value stocks that. Oh my gosh! I better get back into safety. I need to go to cash, and people. I don't want to go to cash. I need to go to to safe things like bonds. And I oh. think I think what. <laughs> People are lumping into safe right now, and I think it's a huge mistake, is Apple and Microsoft. They're so big, and their balance sheets are very clean. Don't get me wrong. You, you know, I, they're not as clean as they used to be. I, um, I, I do want to – I will point out the debt to equity for Apple looks terrible, but I, I think they deserve a little bit more of a research process because they bought back so much stock. Right. But it, it still is something to point out. Their debt to equity – I believe exceeds 100% now. Yeah. So they've used a lot of that cash to buy back stock. So I, I, I'm not sure, but I think people, when they are looking for safety right now, are going in the big tech names. And I think it, it's a huge mistake. I, I think it's like, this might be a bad analogy, but going back into like the Exxons and the AT&Ts from years past where it's, oh, that's a big safe company. I can go into it. And they climbed to these enormous market caps in the past. And we know that they, they've gone nowhere for years. And and it's, I think, going to be the same thing for Apple and Microsoft. There's just no way that they can continue to grow their market caps beyond their true values. And we talk a lot about multiple expansion. Well, even if that company grows, let's say, at 8% per year in terms of their earnings on the bottom line, I, I don't see how their multiple can continue to expand to give you like a 10 12% return because – what, it's going to trade at 30, 40, 50 times earnings? That, that's not possible. I, I don't think it's a bad analogy at all because this is what happens. People get so comfortable with the big companies, the big names, the safe names they feel good with, and then they don't look at the valuations. And everything comes back to the mean. Again, the mean is 14 to 17 times earnings. Uh, it's been that way for forever, and I'm talking over 100 years. That's, that's just the norm. It's not going to change. And every time people think it's going to change, it reverts back and goes back. I mean, that, that you, you cannot go on continuously like that. The thing is, no one knows when it's going to end. I got to say, uh, you went on vacation this past week. You got a lot, a lot of things to talk about. You're just like going on. I could just probably step away for an hour and let you go <laughs> on. <laughs> well, I, I, I just, I don't so know. So excited. I, to, yeah, because you didn't get to work much this week. Yeah, I didn't get to work much this week. So I, I guess it was uh, 
it's good to be back. You know, <laughs> it's, it's I, I planned my trip around the Smart Investing Show because it's that valuable to me. I will miss a show next month, though. It's, what? I have my, my uh, grandfather's uh, memorial from Bestway last year and because of COVID, had postponed it. So I'll be out of town next month. Um, actually in Montana, and it's funny because Harrison's in Montana right now for a yeah. wedding. He'll be calling it. So Montana's <laughs> a hot place right now. But yeah, no, it, it's um, it's gonna be back. Got a lot to say because I I didn't talk that much about finance this week. I know, I know. So I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more today, so we can get it all out there. But um, it it is something that uh, I I do worry about as well. And and you see, you know, the the, the big five, we'll call them, that they go up at the Amazons and Netflixes, and and uh, it, it's just, and we've talked about this for a long time. And uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind it will change. It always does. Everything goes back to the mean. The thing is, you don't know when it's going to happen. When it happens, and people scratch their heads like, what happened? You're paying 30 times, 40 times for a company. That's well, what it's happened. it's Apple. <laughs> yeah, you, know? Know. Well. you know, and do we really believe that Apple will be the only phone maker forever? No one's going to no knock them off the king of the hill. Or who knows? Or or. This is going to sound like an outlandish idea, but are cell phones even going to be the future? What, yeah. what if there's something else? I I would never do this, but I know Elon Musk has talked about putting a chip in your brain. Yeah. Well, yeah. what if you don't need a phone at that point? You can communicate with, I think, anybody you want. So You know, that's funny. And I have talked to people that have the Samsung phones. I, I don't even know what they're called. But they love them. And actually, i got to say. A galaxy. A Galaxy. There we go. And their screens are beautiful. The pictures are, are better. I, I think the, what do they call it, the um, system or the... Uh, well, or from my understanding, I'm not a tech guy, right. is Samsung actually is superior in its technology. Really? But I, from what I understand is Apple is better for more of like a, a layman person like right. myself and yourself. It's more user-friendly. Again, I'm not a tech person. That's just what I've heard right. from... <laughs> and it's come from Samsung <laughs> owners that, oh, the technology is so much better, but... You know, I, I'm, I'm not a, a phone guy, so I right. I use it to call. I, I, people are always like, oh, you need to get a new phone, or oh, my gosh, you still have the 7? Yeah, I love it. You know? <laughs> well, I had the 7, and I wouldn't have gotten rid of it except the fact that um, in my new car, I couldn't charge it as well. Yeah. So I I got the used 10. Uh, I think it cost me like 400 bucks, And it's just like, because I'm not going to go out and spend $1,500 for a phone. I almost feel I could be the guy that gets away with the um the very simple phone because I use it for texting, I use it for calling, I use it for checking the the values of our companies and stuff like that. But I'm not a big. Well, know, I deleted fan. all the social media off my phone. You did. Mm-hmm. I still use it for uh, email. Is the only thing right. that the flip phone wouldn't get me through by uh, or get me by in terms of right. using it. So. I think I could figure a way around it if I had to go back to the flip phone. Yeah, I went to Best Buy <laughs> yeah. like a, a month or two ago, and they had these other phones there. I'm thinking, should I try one of those? But because of my new, I, I have the new Cadillac Escalade, and they've got this little slot. You just put your phone in, and it charges. It connects to the car and everything else. So that, that's kind of why I did it. But I was not going to spend $1,500 for just so I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I'll say it too. I mean, the, the phone technology, I, other than the cameras, it just seems like it's really plateaued since – I'm going to even go back to, gosh, when I was in high school, right. I, I mean, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I don't think there's been that many advancements to the phone to, to justify these higher prices. And, and people don't, may think I'm crazy, but. I mean, don't they come out with something in September again? A new, is it an iPhone, what, 75? <laughs> 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 number they're on. But I think they have a new one coming out in September. And you're right. What is going to be the new thing? It used to be like so exciting because they had like more power, more speed. And. 
I don't know, you know, and, and this is what worries me is that I, I think a lot of people just buy Apple stock because, and we've had people say, oh, it's Apple, it's going to go up forever. Like that, and that never works in investing. Yeah. Um, but that's what they get into. And, and getting back to what we talked about, the $28 billion invested, I believe there was more younger people coming into investing, which is good. But what worries me is they don't know what they're talking about. And if they lose money, they're going to be gone for a long time, maybe well, forever. I, I, I'm going to maybe disagree on that point. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it was more younger people coming into investing in June. I think the, the younger crowd is pulling back a little bit. And you've kind of seen that in, in AMC and GameStop. I mean, they've really collapsed over the last month and month and a half. And, and talk about Bitcoin. I mean, it's been around 30,000, yeah. 32,000 now. Uh, for over the last month, month and a half, I mean, it's just gone nowhere, and it's fallen from over six or near sixty thousand. So I don't know if it was young people. What I do believe this inflow was, was I believe it was an inflow into your index stocks. Right. So if you're going into index funds, that's going to impact your your large caps, your Microsoft and Apple right. the most because they're the highest share of the S and P five hundred, which means as more flows in in the S and P five hundred index more money gets shoveled into those two stocks, and so the two largest companies. And, and I, on my segment tomorrow on KSI at uh, 840, uh, I am talking about that, and I'm pretty sure, and I don't have the numbers with me, so I can't share them with you, but I'm pretty sure that there was more younger investors coming in. I forget the numbers. I can't, can't but, it, but it has been. And, and again, I'm glad to see that, but what worries me is that they're going in the wrong direction and thinking that you buy a meme stock and it goes up 100% for the month, and you do that every single month, and that's, you know, gosh, we'd have so many billionaires. <laughs> that was the truth. So, well, well let's move on because we've got a lot to talk about here. I, I do want to move on to the inflation front here. And I do want to kind of start off with we have seen all those big containers on ships. And, you know, have you ever wondered the cost of shipping those containers? Well, the recent average global price has skyrocketed to $8,400, a 400% increase in a year. And this is where the inflation is starting. All these factors are kind of adding to it because – 400% increase. Now, it doesn't sound like a whole lot because it's a big container, but there's a lot of containers. You see those ships, there's hundreds of them on those ships. Yeah, and the thing that I think people have to realize here is what happens for the people buying from those container ships. And and this is kind of what we talk about with the transitory inflation concept. And, you know, um, Fed Chair Powell talked about lumber as an example and how it skyrocketed and then pulled back, I think, like 40%. I think you could see this happening in shipping costs where it's up 400%, but it might pull back 20% because as the supply chain gets fixed, well, that's going to improve on, on the price appreciation. But the problem is now you have that one supply chain constraint fixed. <clears throat> now you have other bottlenecks along the supply chain. I mean, the container ship's just right. one part of it. And probably part of that cost increase, price of energy. Well, yeah. you're you're having to take that boat and go across right. the ocean that's going to cost a lot more in fuel. And also, too, I think what the container ships do on top of that, those containers, they take them from the ship, and then they pick them up, and they put them on a truck, and the truck drives them somewhere. Again, more use of energy on that truck. Also, labor. I mean, labor is saying, hey, we want more money. You know, So, again, I think you're right. We're probably peaking a little bit here, but I don't think it's going to come way back down. And, and, and with that, let's talk a little bit about inflation. We know inflation that is on the rise, but uh, – I was shocked to see it uh, this week where core inflation was at 4.5%, which has not been seen in 30 years. Over the last 12 months before seasonal adjustments, a broader index was up 5.4%. We've not seen that number since 2008. I mean, it, some of the main contributors to the increase was used car and truck prices up 10.5%. 
and talked about this a little bit. Gasoline was up 2.5%, and um, I'm still kind of scratching my head why the 10-year Treasury yield, talked about this a little bit, is still not increasing. It may come suddenly when we least expect it. I, I think we're still getting that Fed being accommodative, and once they pull back on that, I, I think that's when you're going to start to see the 10-year note rise. Or likely even before that, as people kind of have that risk-off mentality as, as the economy continues to improve, and also if inflation does kind of maintain itself. And going back to gas prices, <laughs> I just got to bring it up. I was in Florida this last week, <laughs> and I'm driving uh, you know, down the road. I'm like, 308? Wow, <laughs> I haven't seen prices like that in uh, quite a while. <laughs> it's funny, driving into the radio show this morning, which is, you see that corner too, it's the Shell Station on the corner of, Ranch Barona Road, I think Pomerado Road, $4.64. I still, and again, there was somebody there filling their tank up. I just don't get why you go to that station and buy gas there. You know, I, I hate to admit it, I had to do it once. What? Yeah, I, <laughs> I had, I think, 10 miles left on my truck, and that's what happens. You got to plan for those yeah. those things. Otherwise, you get cornered in to go into the most expensive, expensive gas station. Yeah, I always look at my, my, my tank when it says quarter tank. I, okay, I'm going to place fill it up. Yeah, because if you don't, you push it, you could be stuck in the pan. Yep. And you think about it, because I think the station I go to, it's on, what is it, Poway Road and Pomerona Road. Yep. Uh, it is an ultra fuel. And I think I paid 407 So you, you figure about 60 cents difference. You, you put in 15 gallons. You're talking almost ten dollars it saved, and yep. again, it makes a big difference over time. So, plan out your gas uh, buy, buy a little bit better. Watch, watch that tank. Don't go below a quarter. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, but uh, also too, uh, that came out this week, which is is another baffling thing. That uh, baffling. We'll, we'll talk why I'm I'm kind of saying that. But the producer price index was released, and it came in at seven point three percent year over year, and that was above the in- estimate of six point eight percent. What worries me is, as we reported, the consumer price index was 5.4%. Let's talk about why we're concerned on this, because you put the two together, there could be more problems coming down the road. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, uh, this means producers are absorbing nearly 2% of the increase in prices. This can squeeze their profits, which is bad for business and can't continue for long before they must pass the increase along to consumers. You know, on the news, gold was actually up 0.8% to $1,825 per ounce, the highest in nearly a month. I still like gold here in the short term as an an inflation hedge. But, uh, you know, talking about the producers, I I do think that uh, it is a leading indicator for what could come from the CPI because you're right. These producers can't just say, well, that sucks. Our profit margins are going down. That's terrible. (laughs) No, they're going to say And again, they're getting squeezed as well because of labor. They have energy costs, so they're gonna, they, can't, they can't keep doing this. They're going to have to pass on those higher costs to consumers or their side has to come down. And, and you know, and one thing that was kind of, because I do have one more topic I want to cover, but one thing we talked about yesterday that people don't know about is our YouTube segment. YouTube segment. Yeah, no, we, we talked a little bit more about inflation yesterday and uh, started a, a new weekly stock analysis. And, and we kind of like we do on the Smart Investing Show here, have a little conversation about different items before we get into that stock analysis. But uh, yesterday we looked at an exciting company, Archer Daniels Midland. Mm-hmm. We think it's exciting. may not be exciting <coughs> to everybody else. But if you're on mm-hmm. YouTube, I, you know it's pretty easy to go to YouTube nowadays. Just type in Wilsey Asset Management. You can subscribe to our channel there for more future videos. Again, we're going to do one stock a week. And, uh, you know, hope it helps you out in your investing adventures. And as we said before the show, we got to change that to uh, smart investing. Yeah. So right now you type in Wilsey Asset Management. It'll go to our channel. 
We're going to try and change that to smart investing since that's kind of what we're known for here on the Smart Investing <laughs> that, Show. That's right. That's what we're known for. Yeah, but had that name for many, many years. <laughs> now, I did want to kind of circle back. We, we talked about the kind of the bottlenecks I was talking about. This is what I mean with the producer price index is that 400% increase in the shipping containers. Well, that's affecting the people buying from that right now. But those people buying from the shipping containers, they didn't increase their prices by 400%. No. And what could happen is you could see the shipping containers, they could fall at, say, 20% to get to a more normalized rate. But now those people who are buying from the shipping containers, they're still playing catch-up. So now they're steadily increasing their prices. Maybe that next person, <coughs> that next customer, now it has to increase their prices by 50%. And then that next person that was buying from them, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Now... They can't absorb all the costs at once, but then they pass it on to their consumer. So it creates this long bottleneck, this long supply chain that is actually increasing the prices and ultimately at the end of the day is going to be passed on to the consumer. But there's so many little parts. I mean, yep. again, talking about the iPhone from earlier, how many components go into that? There's so many different suppliers. <laughs> Don't just think there's one endpoint from supplier to consumer. Yep, exactly. And we're going to be taking calls pretty soon. Uh, phone numbers you want to call in, you got a question on a stock you want to talk about or investment question, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, Jason, we start the show talking about big business, Microsoft, uh, Apple, and so forth. Uh, last week, uh, the Biden administration increased the war in big business an executive order, this is surprising, an executive order that consists of 72 initiatives. I, I have to admit, I did not read the 72 <laughs> initiatives. Uh, but but what it calls for as a whole is a government and an effort to promote competition in the American economy. And, and again, as I said, I did not read those, but no matter what, I still fear this. And competition is good, but you got to remember, it does hurt corporate profits because you've got to reduce your prices to compete with other ones. So this is, while it's good, it may make you realize, like, maybe I shouldn't be spending 30, 35 times earnings for any business. Yeah, and, and the thing that I think is interesting, you know, could this be the start of the unravel unraveling of these high-priced big tech companies? And I, I continue to say yes. And and people, I kind of pointed out this idea a few weeks ago on the show, was uh, there's kind of the large big tech component, uh, like, uh, advocates yeah. that I see on the news and they say, well, it takes years for this to actually unravel. You know, antitrust isn't just going to happen in a matter of, you know, a few months, a, a couple years even. But the thing that we said is we've been worried about antitrust on these big tech companies, I'd say for probably about five years now. Right. I mean, when is that point going to kind of come over that hurdle? It, it's been some time and, and it could take another three, four years perhaps. But the thing that I think is funny here is it has bipartisan support. We can't yeah. agree on anything, it seems like, between <laughs> Democrats and Republicans. This is one thing that everybody hates is big tech. Yeah. The Democrats don't like that there's kind of monopolies of it, and then Republicans don't like the, the censorship of you know what Facebook and you know some of these other Google, large players yeah, are doing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's something that, that is a major concern, and this is just another thing. We talk about the new FTC chair, and I think her name's again Linda Kahn, I want to say is her name. But she is not an advocate of big tech either. There, there's some things that are, I think, starting to build against these these companies. And what's going to happen? It's not going to be when they sign these and actually, you know, start pursuing that. It's when the investors start feeling. I'm talking about the institutional investors, the big guys, 
where they start saying, you know what, I want to get out of this now before it happens. So it's not, you can't wait till it happens, then you get out. It's when the, the overall investors start feeling like, yeah, this is going to happen. I don't want to be part of it, and I pull out, which, again, could be Monday, could be two years from now. Yeah, especially if there are other competitors that come into the space. Mm-hmm. A lot of growth investors are going to say, well, that means that these big tech companies' growth could be stifled. I want to now shift into the yeah. competitors because they're going to have more growth. So there's going to be this this balance in terms of your money can really only go into certain places. And if you start to have outflows from big tech into the, the new companies, that's when you could see it again unravel. And, and actually a lot of people say, oh, well, the individual investor, you know, because of meme stocks is really taking over and stuff. You look at institutional trading, it is just like it's it really surpasses by a large margin oh, yeah. what that is. I mean, yeah, that the, the, the meme stocks by what's called Reddit, which we don't hear much about anymore, but no. Um, they can move some things, but they can't move a lot of different things. because um, yeah. Reddit could never move Apple. No matter how yeah. hard they tried, there's not enough of that small investor to move mm-hmm. the stock price on, on these big tech companies, or, or even for that matter, just big companies. In general. It couldn't even move like a Chevron or an Exxon. They can only move these companies that are, at the beginning, I mean, they were in hundreds of millions. Right. I, I mean, that you can kind of get a little bit more momentum on it because the the trading volume. Yeah, and the other thing too is that uh, we have seen, uh, I think I saw AMC down 50% from its high. Yeah. I think GameStop's down. It has that passed. I believe maybe it has because it's just not as exciting uh, and you can't keep cheering on the crowd to keep buying more when things are going down. And uh, that seems to have passed. You hear it talked about it every once in a while, uh, that situation. So. Uh, you know, Chase, I, and I do want to talk about the workshop because it is coming up this Thursday. And these are things we talk about at the workshop is how to manage your money, uh, learn why, you know, value investing uh, works best long term, why financial analysis can reduce your emotional roller coaster, and how we build portfolios of all kinds and all kinds of markets so that you can make it through these markets. And, you know, it's funny, I showed you a, a thing I did yesterday. Well, actually, I actually did it back in 2004, my retirement plan. Uh, and I had laid out, and I'm not going to give the numbers, but what my plan was uh, back in 2004, how much I was going to invest, how I was going to do it, and so forth. Well, uh, I did till age 65, which I'll be that uh, next month. Uh, I actually did it for the end of the year, but I far surpassed it. And I have done continuously since 2004 on this plan, and I've done it much longer than that, but value investing. And it does work. You're going to have the peaks and valleys, but I far surpassed my goal uh, and I got to be careful what I say here on the, on the percentage returns. I can't even say what I projected, no. but it was just like I did surpass my goal and uh, by doing value investing. And this is what we show you at the workshop. I mean, how to invest longer term to meet these long-term goals. And also, if you're retired, maybe you're saying, I need income. I can't live off 0.4% in the bank. How can I make income to, to live off of Yeah, and, and the reason that this happens, too, is just the compounding. And I was looking at an example here, and these are – um, just if you invest, I think it was $250 a month <clears throat> at an 8% return, which, which is very reasonable right. if you do good investing. Uh, after 25 years, I want to say it grew to about 400000 but after 40 years, it grew to 800000 more than 800000 yeah. And what happens is as that money builds, the later years you grow a lot more because you have money that mm-hmm. continues to build on it. I said 250000 after 25, and then... Eight, or sorry, 400000 after 25 years and 800000 after 40 years. That 15-year time frame, you made Wait, was that 25, 25 years? It was about 400000 And then? 40 years, it was about 800000 
I think it'd be less than that because that 25 years to 40 years, that would be a difference of 15 years. Uh, it would double from 400000 to $800,000 in between 8 to 10 years. I mean, you, you just use a 10-year period. So actually in 35 years, it would have been 800000 not 40 years. Uh, I'm I'm actually pulling this up. Since yeah. I, I'm talking about it. I want to make sure. I'm well, and, and actually, and I'm using a eight to ten percent return. Maybe they were using a lower return, or maybe no. Six, it was eight percent. It was eight percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, eight percent should double uh, about every what? Oh gosh, nine years is my guess because yeah. that's ten uh, percent. You'll double about every seven years. Oh yeah. No, I was way off on that. My apologies. Already. Twenty-five years. Two hundred thirty-six thousand. 40 years, 839,000. So, I mean, That's what you did, it, yeah. it is crazy when you look at this kind of extrapolated out over time. Again, it's $250 a month with an 8% annualized return. After one year, you'd have $3,240. After five years, $19,000. After 10 years, $46,936. And this is where kind of people get impatient. That's it. That's all I have. I've been saving and investing <laughs> for 10 years now. Well, after 25 years, that's when it really starts to compound and grow. You're at $236. And eight hundred sixty, or sorry, two hundred thirty-six thousand eight hundred sixty-three dollars. Then after forty years, eight hundred thirty-nine thousand three hundred forty-three dollars. So investing is a long-term game, and that's why you can't take the big risk. If after twenty-five years you say, "Oh, I'm tired. I've only accumulated two hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. I need to take more risk," and then you get it cut in half, now you're screwed. <laughs> that's why it's a long-term game when it comes to good, sound investing. And, and actually, the plan that I that I did do, uh, actually, I I did the comparison. This was back in two thousand four. Uh, had I not done in the retirement account what I would have after tax. And it was just amazing on that as yeah. well. So, I mean, when you're doing it, this is why we love people with 401ks. Uh, we do 401ks for companies as well. we got quite a few companies now that they do their 401ks through us. But it's just something that um, uh, you'll do so much better. And this is why we don't like loans on 401ks. When you oh, but I, you know, I get to pay myself back. No, you're not going to do that. You're going yeah. to actually grow the money by compounding. So these are things we talk about Um the workshop, I, yeah. I, I talk about way off topic. Yeah, way off topic, yeah. But the, the workshop is going to be this Thursday, uh, the 22nd uh, in Scripps Ranch. Uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Uh, speak with Brianna. She gets you signed up. And again, looking forward to seeing the Smart Investing Workshop in Scripps Ranch. This Thursday, July 26, 6 o'clock in the evening, we'll have some um, uh, light appetizers uh, for people to uh, enjoy as well to get through that lull and the sugar level at, uh, <laughs> at that time. So I am shocked. It is, uh, what, 8.30. Not one caller has called in. Are our phones working, Brendan? This is unusual. I don't think this happened uh, ever. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. All lines are open. Yeah, I did want to say we kind of touched on the meme stocks and kind of talking about the compounding and, and how important that is. And we brought up, you thought GameStop was down about 50%. Well, their high actually was $483. It's now at $169 a share. Oh, it's so a lot So it's a decline less. of 65% from wow. the top. And people are like, oh, you know, I've made all this money on GameStop. Like, you were wrong. What we tell people, I... I feel bad for that person. If you bought GameStop at $3 and you sold it at, let's say, $300, great, that's good for you. I just feel bad for that person that bought it at $483. That means somebody bought it at $483. Maybe they're out of it by now, or maybe they're playing, playing the pray and hope game, and now they're down 65%. Right. I'm more concerned about those people 
than trying to make somebody a thousand percent return. It, it, you're going to have so many people lose money on this that now just say, well, investing so risky. <laughs> and that's why we don't like to play these guessing games. And again, if you did good on it, great. I'm happy for you. But I just feel terrible for that person that lost 50% of their money or 65% of their money on this, I'm going to say stupid investment. <laughs> and I don't use stupid very often, right. but it well, is. If you, you know bought what? GameStop at 43, that's stupid. We have smart investing. We should go up with stupid investing is what we should come up with. But, you know, and at the workshop, we talked about the workshop. We have this great thing. Everybody laughs at it because they know it's true. It's called 19 Thoughts to Trading and how the silly things you go through because you're right. There's somebody that might have bought a GameStop at three, sold it at, you know, maybe 100. Like, wow, they made big gains. Yeah. Then they bought it back at 450 because, like, well, gosh, I missed it. I'm going to make it again. Now they've lost what they, they gained on. And, and the thing they don't realize is that your losses on bigger dollar amounts are a lot bigger than they are on the dollars, smaller dollars. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite of, of compound we just talked about. So so that's why you can't get ahead. And that's that's why we, we tell people, gosh, if you can earn 8, 10, maybe 12% on average per year over the long term, you're going to do very well. Try to stay away from this craziness to get ahead. And, and like, oh, I'm going to become a millionaire next week because I'm doing the meme stocks or cryptocurrencies. Stay away from that. That's a path to usually losing a lot well it's kind of this falsehood that you get in your brain of well it's gone up so i, I think like I, I talked to people on dogecoin and i was at 70 cents they're like oh i made like thirty thousand dollars off it i'm so happy what should i do with it i said i would sell it right well I, i'm gonna wait for it to get to a dollar before i sell and people said this i'm gonna wait for it to get to a dollar it never got to a dollar i think it's back around 17 cents so now you completely yeah. wiped out your profit and I don't know if you saw this past week, but the creator of Dogecoin uh, came out and said that the whole cryptocurrency thing is just a scam. Yeah. And and again, he's one of the guys that created it. So he's not saying, oh, it's great. It's just like this was a scam. So it it just, you, you got to be very careful in investing. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And that's why, again, we talk about when, when you invest with us, you go to the party, you try to talk about what you have invested in. You'll probably be in the corner by yourself because it's not very exciting. It's your food stocks. It's your <laughs> talking about Archer's Daniel Midland earlier. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It's like what? I want to talk to the guy in the corner that's talking about, you know, how much money he made off of uh cryptocurrencies. I mean, that's the exciting part. But it's not about being exciting. It's about doing the right thing long term. So when you do retire 20, 30 years down the road, you've got actual uh good returns on your portfolio. Absolutely. All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Alex Dover, see Brenda is now answering the phones. Uh, let's head out to San Diego and speak with Douglas. Douglas, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how are Hi, I'm calling about a luxury stock called RH, Restoration Hardware. Oh, yes. We know it well because of the fact that I think, didn't you come up with that one like years ago? We Gosh, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, yeah, it was probably two, three years ago, and I know it's just done very well since then. So yeah. I'm excited to take a look, and I, I know they used to be Restoration Hardware, and they still right. have that store, but they changed their name to RH. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you yes, look it up, yeah. it's just RH. Yeah, RH. Really? yeah that's what <laughs> makes it easy up. to remember the symbol. Oh, yeah, RH, RH, yeah. <laughs> kind of like GE. GE. Yeah, yeah. So, so very easy. So, so, so let's take a look at, uh, well, it's not Restoration Hardware. RH uh, symbol is RH. Uh, we don't have a great start here, Douglas, because the PE ratio is 47.8 versus 40 for the industry. We do see uh -huh. price to sales is 4.3 versus 1.6. 
Price to book value is 36 and a half versus 22. That's expensive. And then we do see price to cash flow is 27 versus 14. So the valuation ratio of RH is very expensive. We do see on the sales growth though, looking pretty good. It's up 27%, uh, industry up 15. Earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months up 84%, which is very good, but the whole industry, well, they were up uh, 483, 483%. I just realized I haven't moved my mouse, my mouse yet here, so I gotta find, there uh, uh, we go. Um, we do see that uh, their, their, their balance sheet here, we, we've got, oh, no, not very good here. Current ratio one versus 1.4, that's okay, but what is not good, their debt has now gone up to 188% uh, versus 63 for the industry. So that's a pretty heavy, pretty weak balance sheet, I'll put it that way. And you have to kind of understand they could be actually loaning money doing something there, but I don't like seeing that much uh, debt to equity of 188. We also see return on equity 132 versus 22. I have a feeling perhaps they have very low equity, so you gotta check that out because that's a pretty high return on equity. We also do see net profit margin checks in at 12.7, well above the industry of four. Then receivable turnover is 59 versus 35. Inventory turnover is 3.1. That's below the industry of four. Chase, what do you see going forward here? I'm just kicking myself over here. Uh-oh. I know. Well, I, we can't buy everything. I know. I know we like it. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, we should look at it. Sometimes by doing the right thing and moving slowly, you can miss things. But this is probably one we didn't want to miss. Yeah, let me give you some kind of background on this here as well, Douglas. Back in 2015, right. it was above $100 a share. And then they ran into some issues. And I remember we looked at it and we did a, a Facebook video post on it. It's what we actually did. So it fell to about 25, it looks like, based off the chart. Mm -hmm. But I think I would looked around around I, 30 I think, or 40. I think I, mean, I remember the price, 30 or 33, I think is what we looked at. Yeah. Well, now it's at $661.64. <laughs> and again, I got to disclose, we didn't buy Restoration Hardware. We didn't buy, at that time, it was Restoration Hardware. Right, right. We didn't buy RAs, but hey, hopefully somebody watching that video did because well, it's done and, well. And the other thing we want to point out before we do the numbers, is that one thing that could have happened, we'll see what the numbers are now, perhaps at 60 or 80, it could have become overpriced. So we may have sold it before then because we do base it on yeah. the numbers. So let's find out what the numbers are now. Yeah, so again, as I said, the current price is $661.64. The 52-week high is $733.05. The 52-week low, that's $277. If I go out to January 2023, I do see estimated earnings per share of $25.15. It would give us a target sell price of $417.49. So below that current price, it's just, uh, you know, a little overpriced here. And again, as Brent said, we wouldn't have held it to 700 or 600, but it probably still would have at least made a very good profit off it based off the numbers when you looked at it back in 2015 was my point. Yeah, and again, that, that would kind of happen is that you're not going to ride it all the way to the top. And again, very nice to see that happen. But you, you And who knows what we would have bought had we bought it, sold it, and bought yeah. something else. But again, this, this happens in investing, and that's why I tell people, I'm wrong a third of the time. Yeah. That's going to happen. I mean, we could have sold it at 100 Why'd you sell it at $600, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens in investing. But the point here, Douglas, is I, it's expensive now. I, I think we missed the boat here on RH. It's it's pricey. Yep, yep. All right, Douglas. Uh, any other questions on that at all? No, no. That's good. Thank you so much. Okay, Douglas. Thanks for calling. You have a good Appreciate one. Appreciate your help. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. I was say, have you ever walked by the store RH? Oh, where, where are they at? I mean, they have one in UTC, I know. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I have not. Uh, Grossmont it is, as well. Grossmont, I think Grossmont as, well. as well. It is very high end. <laughs> very My goodness, I, I don't want to touch a couch in there. That's yeah. what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's so surprising. It's a very, like uh, Douglas said, it's a luxury type deal. So it's it's very pricey stuff. And, and I just don't, I, I guess because I'm a value investor, I just don't get the point of going out and spending, I don't know, 2000 3000 for a couch when you go into Ashley Furniture, Jerome's and get some very nice stuff for a lot less. And maybe, maybe it's kind of like designer clothes as a restoration or yeah. RH. Uh, you don't have a lot of them. But you know, I've never gone into somebody else's house and said, Oh, you have the same couch I have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just want a good couch that is comfortable, looks good. I don't need to spend. And, and, I, and I guess, I, do you have any prices that you remember from the? I want to say their couch is like $10,000. What? I, I believe it's called the cloud. Yeah, <laughs> and from what I understand, it's a very, very comfortable couch. But I know it's 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 expensive. <laughs> yeah, I I, I just uh, you know, and I've never used their their product, but it'd have to be extremely uh, comfortable that I could sit on there for like hours and and not get a sore back yeah. <laughs> or anything else. So um, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll make a trip there sometime. I mean, I. I did buy a more expensive couch, but I spent a lot of time on the couch, which is probably one of my more unhealthy habits. But um, <laughs> I love that. So that that's one thing that I didn't spend, didn't mind spending a little bit more money on was a very nice couch. Oh yeah, and, and my point being, I, I I believe, and somebody can maybe correct me on this, but I believe you go to because Ashley Furniture, Jerome's, they do have higher end products, uh, and they're probably at least half the price of RH, and and they are a very good products. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Um, I I just think that. To expect ten thousand for a couch, oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, and, and again, that that's just, just off my memory. You just know? think, if you bought a nice food company paying a three to four percent dividend, what that ten thousand be worth ten years from now? You can't be perfect on every. You got to have your guilty. <laughs> you have your guilty pleasures as I well. I do. You know, All people. Right. Some somebody's got to say, hey, I don't mind spending that on a couch. That's what I really, really want. want. As long as it doesn't hurt your financial plan. I, you know, and, that, and that's true too, because I tell people, you know, spend as much as you want, but just make sure you put away, you know, 15 to 20% of what yeah. you make. And if you do that, I, anything above that, go ahead and do it. What I don't like seeing is people that go out go and, debt. and go into debt on stuff like that and they can't pay it and then they can't put in a retirement account. That's what I don't like seeing. So yeah. I know, because I always, I always tell people, it's, I don't judge you on what you spend your money on. I yeah. mean, because everybody else is going to, why would you spend your money on that? People could probably look at me and say the same thing. Why would you spend your money on that? That's so stupid. <laughs> you know, and you can think the same thing. Why do you go to Starbucks every day? I don't know. I enjoy it. As long as you can afford it, fine. Go for it. <laughs> and, and one thing I will say, and, and not to say that my Lamborghinis will be worth this down the road, but remember we went to this one shop and there was oh, like yeah. a 1965 Lamborghini there. It was worth, I think, $2.5 million. And it was a piece of junk. It was like just, you know. So I, that's my thing too is I'm always thinking, and, and my fiance hates it because I'm always thinking, well, what will this be worth down the road? Yeah. So I just, you know, that's why I have the, the high-end cars because I think they'll be worth more down the road. Plus, I love them. I love mm -hmm. when I open my garage and I see them. All right. Uh, let, let's go to the traveling financial planner, Harrison <laughs> Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, guys. Today, I'm calling you from Montana. Oh, yeah. Have you seen any bears out there today? You know, I haven't seen any bears. Um, right now, I'm looking out and I see some cows. Uh, there's a lot of deer around me. Um, we see some beavers and some skunks, but no nope. bears, <laughs> any elk or any moose yet. But I'm hoping to maybe catch a glimpse of one. <laughs> well, what are you bringing to us today from Montana? So since I'm in a different state, I thought it'd be fun to, to kind of 
talk about that a little bit because I, I talk to a lot of people who ask about moving out of the state of California and they're what? looking at moving <laughs> to other states. So it's something that comes across fairly often. And one of the big reasons is taxes. Uh, California has the highest marginal tax rate um, in the country. It's 13.3%. So I kind of wanted to talk about that relative to some other states that people look at. So one thing to know here is, as I mentioned, California has the highest tax rate, but you don't get into that rate until you have a million dollars of income. And in retirement, there's not that many people that have that kind of income levels. But there are some states in the union that have absolutely no state taxes. There's nine of them. That's Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. So we do have some people that are considering moving into some of those states because, again, there is some tax savings by moving there. Um, there are then ad uh, additional three states that do not tax retirement income, such as pensions and IRA qualified distributions. That's Illinois, Mississippi, and Pennsylvania. And then lastly, there's two additional states that just don't tax pensions, uh, but they do tax IRAs and other income sources. That's Alabama and Hawaii. So moving to states like that, you could probably save some money on taxes. But I want to point uh, out uh, here. Harrison, can I stop you for yeah. a second there? You said they don't tax yeah. pensions. Uh, do they tax the RMDs from your retirement accounts? Yes, yes, they, they do. do. So okay. Alabama and Hawaii does. Okay. Um, Illinois, Mississippi, and Pennsylvania do not. Um, they do not so, tax yeah. your RMDs? Your IR, any IRA RMDs or, or IRAs. That's, that's, uh, that's, any type of IRA distribution, whether it's an RMD or a regular one, they, they do not tax it. That, so could, that could be a big thing if you have like a large 401k with millions of dollars in it. That can make a big difference going to one of those states if you're 72 now to start taking the RMDs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For retirees, their IRA is usually their largest income source because Social Security um, in most states is not taxable. Um, you might have a little bit of capital gains and dividends here, but usually it's IRA income. So avoiding that would be substantial. And what were those states again? Illinois, Mississippi, and Pennsylvania. Oh, well, I may not want to move there for retirement. <laughs> well, there's other states, as Harrison mentioned. I think you said nine of them that just don't tax any income. So. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Alaska, okay. Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, Wyoming. So maybe you wouldn't want to live in all those states, but some of them uh, might seem attractive to you. But the thing I wanted to point out here is there are some other states that people ask about where actually people moving there would pay more than they would in California. And the reason for that is some states in the union just have a flat tax and others are bracketed like California is, but you go into the higher brackets on much lower levels of income. So for lower income people and mid income people, you actually would pay more taxes in some of those other states. Those would include states like Idaho, which is actually um, unusual because a lot of people are moving to Idaho to, to kind of get out of California. But in many cases, they're actually paying more taxes there. Oregon is another one. Um, Montana is, is another one. I thought I should say that since I'm here. Um, North Carolina, Utah, and Colorado are some states that people consider moving to, but you have to be careful because you might actually end up paying more taxes in some of those states. And, and this is so important. This is one thing that you do actually for your clients. I think you've had clients where you actually looked at their situation and they thought about moving to another state because it appeared to be better, better but actually you found out that even with a high situation in California, there's times that you're better off staying in California. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in retirement, California doesn't tax Social Security, so that could be 
40 to 50 grand of income that you're paying absolutely nothing on. And then if you do have some IRA income, that's usually just filling up the lower brackets. And then when you turn 65, you have some more credits available to you in the state. So in many cases, if we can do things right, people pay, you know, a small amount of California taxes, at least much smaller than what they're expecting to pay. Now, what I will say is this is just the tax side. Um, there are other reasons that you might want to leave the state. Maybe you have some uh, political issues with it or the cost of living in California outside of the tax situation is high. Gasoline prices are high. Property values are high. Um, so things like that could could give you a reason to leave. But just looking at the tax situation, you know, might not be a great reason um, to leave. And you're right, Brent. I have looked at other states where people were sure they were going to leave. And then when we actually looked at the numbers, they decided that uh, maybe the benefit isn't as great as they thought. Well, and the other thing to look at, too, is the, the property taxes. I know people say, oh, well, California's property tax isn't that high in terms of its percentage. But yeah. if you look at the percentage basis, let's just say in Texas, of a $200,000 home versus a million-dollar home in California, the percentage might be higher in Texas, and I believe it is, but your dollar it amount is, is, still, yeah. is still much higher yeah. here in California. Yeah, California, when you buy a house, it gets reassessed and it, the property tax rate's about one and a quarter percent, depending on which city you live in and what uh, little little additional taxes they have in there. And in Texas, it's about two and a quarter. So Texas is a one percent higher. But, you know, a million dollar house in California might only cost yeah two hundred thousand dollars in Texas or something like that. So although the rate is higher, the dollar amount that you're paying is significantly less. Um, in states like Texas. And again, no state income tax in Texas. So in many cases, you could buy a, a much larger house in Texas, and uh, that might be a good move for you. And political um, political sphere looks a lot different in Texas than California as well. <laughs> yeah, I just bring that up because it, it is something that's so important for financial planning. A lot of times people get so focused on one singular item like the income tax, but that's why you do a great job of looking at well, what's the property tax or the cost of living to pull in the big picture, not just focus on one singular item, because that's where people can really get burned. Yeah. And I mean, we have had lots of people who have left California and gone to places like Arizona. We've had people go to North Carolina. We have had people going to uh, Montana and Boise. And again, they might be paying you know, a similar amount of taxes, maybe a little bit more, but they're buying much larger houses, um, you know, paying lower property taxes, paying definitely less on gasoline. Um, so, you know, they're, they're usually happy with that. I, I do have to say they don't have the weather that we have in California. So that's, we, yep, we, we pay that's for the weather. Now, so, but, uh, well, yeah, Harrison. And, 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 uh, um, I was going to say one quick note on the weather. So I'm in Montana right now. I've been here twice before and I was excited to come because the last time I came, the weather was, you know, it wasn't bad, but there was, there was a lot of fires and it was really smoky. Well, uh, now there are fires again here, so it's smoky again. So I can't see the mountains. You need to so stay away from Montana bad. because it seems like you go there, the fires are there. So, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let you go because I, I, it sounds like you're outside. And I want you to look for those bears. You don't want you to get, have a bear sneak up on you or something there. So, so be careful. Yeah, I know. Uh, no kidding. There was, uh, <laughs> there was just somebody that got attacked by a bear last week in Montana. So got to be careful. <laughs> yep. Be careful there. All right, Harrison, we'll see you Monday morning, right? You are coming Monday morning, right? Yep. Yes, I'll be there Monday. Okay. All right, Harrison. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. You know, it's funny you talk about the weather. Yeah. Well, I, I call our high tax rates here in California just a weather tax. Yeah. But I do think that if we have bad weather here in California, that's when you deserve to get 
a refund because you pay so much in taxes. That it's, uh, yeah, you know, Carl Newsome yeah, says about sure that. Yeah. Like oh, that. He, he probably would say, "Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you a refund for anything." So he doesn't want that recall to happen. <laughs> so, but um, again, that is Harrison Johnson. He is our uh, CFP. Uh, again, if you want a consultation with me, and again, you can hear the different things he looks at. It's not just you know the investing part. Many times you go to a financial planner. Oh, they they do some things. They you know throw in some mutual funds. He is on a salary. Um, he does not do the investing. He does not sell you life insurance or annuities. His job is really to sit down and talk with you about your financial plan as some of the things you've heard. So give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Listen for his name, Harrison Johnson. Or you can get him on the uh, website, uh, send him an email, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And Chase, I can't believe the first hour is up already. I only promoted the workshop once, and it's going to be this Thursday, so I want to do it one more time before I go to our callers. Uh, it is going to be this Thursday, July 22nd uh, in Scripps Ranch. We're going to talk about learning why value investing works best long-term, why financial analysis can reduce your emotional roller coaster that you've been on maybe for years, and how we build portfolios for all kinds of markets. It is a free workshop, but what you have to do is sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That is smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And uh, look for Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And look forward to seeing you Thursday, July 22nd, at the Smart Investing Workshop. All right, we got time for calls. So let's quickly go out to uh, Chula Vista, where Jim's been waiting very patiently. Jim, you're on this morning with Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? I'd like to know what your opinion is of TTC, Tutor Perini. Okay. You know, and I, I was kind of wondering what that was. When I pulled it up, I had two companies come up. Uh, one was, what, Armstrong World Industries, but you want a Tutor what is it? Perini Corporation? Perini. It's yeah. an engineering company out of Silmar. Okay. Let's see. Uh, why is it not coming up? Oh, here we go. All right. Okay. Got to change things here a little bit. I, uh, here we go. Okay. Tudor Perini Corporation, symbol TPC. Wow, Jim, a, a great start. The PE ratio 6.2 versus 39 for the industry. Price to sales looking very good 0.13 versus 0.86. Price to book value, 0.53 versus 14.97. This means you're paying 53 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of the company. Love seeing that. And then we do see price of cash flow, 2.5 versus 11.21. So I'm liking what I'm seeing here so far on the valuation ratios. Now we do see here they did not pay a dividend. Uh, we do see sales were up 11.2%. This is phenomenal because the industry was down 1.6, and this is the industry that had very high valuations versus the low valuation company. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 128% versus the industry up 945. The balance sheet looks pretty good. We see a current ratio 1.9 versus 1.6. Debt to equity 65 versus 55. Return equity is 7.1 versus 7.2. I would like to see that higher. That's the first negative kind of seen on the company so far. Uh, the profit margin, 2.9, and that, again, is above the industry at 2.2. We see receivable turnover is 1.6 versus 3.9. Chase, I'm very curious on this company because these numbers are looking pretty good. I, I, I know that Jim says an engineering company. Uh, but what do the numbers look like going forward? Yeah, so looking at this too, I just want to expand on a little bit more. It looks like the company operates through three segments, so civil, building, and specialty contractors. 
Uh, gosh, I would really want to know exactly what they do here because uh, you would think they could be a benefactor from, uh, you know, this, this infrastructure that, that needs to be complete, especially on that civil side. I mean, they, they should really profit from that. I mean, talk about highways, bridges, tunnels. That's exactly what we need done in our infrastructure. I, I, I like that about this company for sure. But looking at the current price here for, again, Tudor Perini Corporation, it is $12.96. 52-week high is $20.24 and a low $10.79. So, wow, it's had a big pullback off that 52-week high. I wonder if it rode the infrastructure momentum. What was the 52-week high again? 2024. So it's about 50, down 50%. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty substantial when you look at that. It was a market cap. I was just about to say that. Okay. It is a smaller company. $660 million is that market cap for the business. But if I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.23. Why you get a target sell price of $37.02. Phenomenal valuations there. I will point out, kind of surprised that there's three analysts. I mean, yeah. that's a, a pretty decent amount of analysts for a company, I'm going to say, under a billion-dollar market cap. We wouldn't buy something like this because we normally like to see about at least five to seven analysts uh, and normally have at least about a $2 billion market cap. But I... I got to tell you, I, I'm definitely intrigued by that. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, w- I would almost like to say, let's look at this company and buy it. But again, we can't buy a $600 million company. Now, if it were to go to 20, it'd be a $1.2 billion company. But yeah. gosh, we, we, we don't own too big of a percent if we actually started buying this company. But I, but I like it. I like the valuation ratios. I like everything I saw on it. But it's just one that, uh, Jim, it's, it's just one that uh, maybe for you to can buy if you do your research, uh, I think there's a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, so... Good call there, Jim. Okay, well, thank thank you, guys. I thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I would have liked to get a company like that. I mean, I I don't think I found one bad thing on it. I don't think you did other than the market cap being small. And I will point out that the earnings, I don't like to see this, are quite volatile. I mean, in 2019, they lost $1.14. And then 2020, they made $2.12. This year, their estimate make $2.01. So I don't like to see a decline there. But next year, two twenty three. So, I mean, it, it seems like their earnings can be quite volatile. I, I don't know how they lost so much money in 2019. That's one thing that I would recommend looking at. Yeah. Um, that That is of concern, but there's definitely a lot of potential positives for this business. So as you said, definitely well worth the research for, for Jim and, and our other listeners because I, I, I see a lot of potential, especially in that field. Yeah, yeah, because it, it looks really, really good. And again, I've I, I not heard a lot of talk lately about the infrastructure deal. I mean, it's good, it's bad. It's not going to pass. It is going to pass. So I, I, I still believe something is going to pass here. Um, but that could benefit this company because, again, they do all the civil engineering, the bridges, the tunnels, I think you said. So a lot of potential for that company. And maybe maybe one day we'll see that at $600 a share. Yeah. Say, I wish we would have bought that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. Uh, we're going to take a uh, quick break here. Uh, when we come up, we got, uh, let's see, David in Lakeside, Robbie in San Diego, John in Coronado. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You are listening to the Smart Investing Show. Brent Chase on uh, Smart Investing Show. So stay with us. We'll be back.
Alrighty, welcome back to the second hour of the Smart Investing Show. Yes, phone lines are open, 186-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Lakeside and speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Good morning, fellas. Good morning. We're, uh, thanks for helping us make some money here. That's what we're trying to do. We're, um, I'm looking at, uh, I guess, um, Saber. I bought it about six months ago. Looks like it's uh, anything to do with vacations, mm. hotels, rental cars, airlines. Um, it's doing pretty good right now, but uh, I think it could go higher. Maybe it'll go lower. Yeah, well, let's take a look at the numbers here, see what they look like. Again, the company is Saber Corporation, symbol is S-A-B-R. Not a great start here, David. A P.E. ratio, not material versus 71. But again, I think you said they're a travel-type company. So not surprised that the last 12 months they have no earnings. Uh, we do see price of sales is good, though, 3.5 versus 12.7. Unfortunately, no price to tangible book value versus 104 for the industry, which means if you take away all the intangible assets, there's no value to this company. And again, no price of cash flow, uh, same as earnings, uh, versus 39 for the industry. So they seem to be a... Kind of struggling at that point. Now, we do see, and again, no surprise here, sales year over year down 72%. But also, too, I do see in the industry, they're up 15%. So maybe this company is lagging something else going on here. Earnings per share year over year, last 12 months down 1,008%. Uh, industry up 11.4. Wow. Uh, current ratio 2.7 versus 2. That's not what I'm saying. Wow. What I'm saying, wow, and as a debt to equity, 19,569 versus 72 return equity a negative 383 versus a positive 23. Uh, we do see here that they have a net profit margin of a negative 132 versus 17.9. And we see a return of a 2.4 versus 6.5. I'm not liking these numbers at all. Chase, you have anything positive going forward? Well, one thing just kind of on the debt side is it, it does appear like this company could be what we call an asset light business. Mm -hmm. I see the word software as a service. Generally, what that means is they don't need a whole lot of assets. It's software yeah, as a no, service. No buildings, no equipment. Yeah. It, it could be. So that's just one thing. Not saying it's an excuse to buy it, but just kind of pointing to, to some potential areas that, that could explain that issue. But but looking at it, I, I did have curiosity on what it does exactly. It looks like they include reservation systems for like airline carriers, commercial and operations products, agency solutions, data-driven intelligence solutions. And then hospitality solution segment provides software and solutions to hoteliers through software as a service and hosted delivery model. So I, I'd just be a little bit more curious exactly what they do. You got some of that from, from this description here on the profile of the business, but I'm going to kind of look through their products and peruse those a little bit and, and find out where exactly the revenue streams are coming from in terms of airlines, hotels, kind of what, what's that breakdown look like. But looking at the numbers, uh, current price here, $11.05. 52-week high, $16.88. That 52-week low is $5.50. Unfortunately, I go out to December 2022, I still see that the company's estimated to lose $0.10 cents per share. Now, I will point out the high estimate is for a $0.33 cent profit, while the low estimate is for a loss of $0.36. Cents. So huge discrepancies, which doesn't surprise me since it's a travel-related company. And how many analysts again? Seven. Seven. So uh, unfortunately, David, I, I even with that potential positive of $0.33, cents, I, I don't think that would give us a target sell price above $11.05. I, I, I'm just quite 
leery about this business at this time, uh, especially with the high debt to equity. Uh, I just don't think it's worth that risk. Yeah, and, and David, this is a company that uh, has maybe done well in the past because of the excitement about the reopening, but it may not sustain that because it just doesn't have the numbers that we can see to do it. Uh, I, I'd feel very uncomfortable holding on to this business. And again, could go up even more, but I'd be concerned that if something turns, goes down, then you're left with, with nothing there. Already? Yeah, I am. Um, I bought it like six months ago. I thought it'd be a good reopening stock. I bought it at six bucks, so I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah. Maybe it is time to get rid of it. Yeah, I mean it was a good speculative move. I mean you made money on it. Uh, I just don't know. And again, the stock could be at twenty uh, by the end of the year, but it just it, it just worries me that you're you're driving a car 100 miles an hour with no brakes is what kind of worries me. And what what concerns me too, David, I did pull up the balance sheet. I was con- concerned. I mean, we know what happened with the airlines and the cruise lines. They had to destroy their balance sheets to kind of survive. And I look at this company. They had $3.3 billion worth of debt. I believe that was as of the end of 2019. So, again, before the pandemic started there, now their debt has climbed again from $3.3 billion to $4.7 billion. So an increase of $1.4 billion. That's quite substantial if you look at the starting amount there as well. And also it looks like they did issue a decent amount of shares as before the pandemic. They had 273 million shares outstanding. Now about 320 million shares outstanding. So about a 50 million share increase, which is, again, quite substantial for a business of this size. So I, I do get concerned about these travel co- Oh, well, this company was at 60 before the pandemic, so it should get back to 60. Not necessarily. And I, I'm not, I know Sabre was not, but I know there's right. airlines that had that kind of situation. The thing that you look at is the amount of debt and the amount of shares sure. that they had to issue. It's a different company than it was before the pandemic. And David, you got you to pick your uh, exit price here and, and then don't look back if it triggers that because, again, again it, it is a gamble. Congratulations on the, the good return, but it just uh, it is a gamble. So, already? Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, David. Have a great You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. 2473. And Chase, before we go back to the calls, I do want to mention that, uh, you know, this is one thing that you, we, we, we look at. We, we looked at the, the, the destruction of balance sheets, the increase in number of shares. I, I believe this is going to play havoc down the road 12, 24 months uh, because these companies are not going to be able to sustain it. I think I see some stock prices fall dramatically. Uh, you probably will even see maybe a little bit longer some of these companies go bankrupt. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be kind of like you, you kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and you're, you're trying to survive, trying to survive. And then all of a sudden that debt bill starts to come due. The interest payments, they're, they're fine right now. But what happens is all of a sudden that's eating into your ability to invest in the business for the future. Now that's limiting you. And then you kind of get more competition maybe coming into the space and you just can't keep up any longer on those payments and you fold. And it's probably something that could happen five to 10 years down the road, I think. It's not something that's going to happen in the next two to three years even. I, I believe that the, the amount of liquidity these travel companies received did kind of give them a lifeline to last for the next few years. But I think you could see some of the major ones have issues five to ten years down the road because they just had to destroy the balance sheets. And to be quite frank, it, it wasn't fair to them what happened. I mean, it, oh, it's yeah. definitely unfortunate, but it, it's, it's what happened. Yeah, and, and again, I, I am still shocked what the – government did how the government could actually close down businesses and cause this stress on businesses i know why they did it but it's still it doesn't help the business and i i think we could be 
you know, I said 12 to 24 months, I think we'll start seeing this start to surface. The other thing, too, we don't know on the balance sheets, um, hopefully those are fixed interest rates they got and not adjustable because if rates do go up because of inflation down the road, that's going to put more strain on these companies' balance sheets and more strain that they could have to file bankruptcy not paying the bills because if the economy slows down and people – and I still don't get this whole travel thing. I mean, you just traveled. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, I'm hearing that the prices are high, can't get hold of people. Uh, you had to fly, I think, from Florida. You had to go to Chicago, then down to Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like – And some... I know the cancellations have increased substantially yeah. because they're having labor a labor crunch like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – I don't know. I mean, my travel wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't. Who, the, who, who'd you fly? Uh, United. United. Okay. Yeah, I had a credit, so that's why okay. I used them. All right. Yeah. Most of the time, I I like to fly JetBlue. I don't know if they fly into where I was, but hey, yeah, I like JetBlue, and uh, JetBlue has the best first class. United has, I think, the worst first class. I mean, it's just <laughs> like really, I'm gonna pay for first class and give me the seats that's a little bit bigger and nuts. Yeah. Uh, where's my nice meal? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are getting me excited for my vacation because I'm flying with JetBlue to New York City in a couple weeks. Oh, are you so really? I'm excited now. Oh, oh yes. Boy. First yeah. class, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> are you flying first class? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you get, you're gonna love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. phenomenal. Yep, yeah, yeah. So and uh, and they'll take very good care of you. So yeah. All right, uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Robbie. Robbie, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, well, thanks for uh, taking the call here. So um, last July, I bought Netlist, uh, ticker NLST, Ooh. at around 50 cents. Okay, we got the wrong one. We put in Netflix. <laughs> so okay. we, we got Netlist. Got yeah. it. Netlist, correct. Okay. What and intrigued you on this? On. And what's that so, symbol again, uh, Robbie? NLST, November Lima Sierra Tango. ST, right? Okay. Oh. Netlist. Yes, Netlist. Okay. Let's see what comes up. Yep, there it is. Okay, I got it. Okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, so... um. I had a friend works for the insurance company and he said, Hey, I was, he does a lot of OTCs and scans and this came up on one of his scanners and he's like, Oh, let's just hold it for a little bit. See what it does. Um, some patents came through a big one where Google was infringing on their patents. And that's when went into court and there was some news saying that the, the judge said to Google, you guys should settle because you guys are not going to want the results that I'm going to give you. And once that came out, you could see how the stock just jumped. Mm -hmm. So my dilemma here is, do I hold to the settlement? Do we keep holding? How, how, what's a good extra strategy when you've come up this big? Because you don't want to miss the train either, even though I'm on a semi train right now. Right. Right. And, and is it in a Roth, like a 401k, is it no, just in a basic is, brokerage? I just, bought it, I, I just bought this on my on my Thinkorswim app. Okay, and and how long ago did you buy it? July two thousand twenty. Oh, so okay. So okay, so you surpassed the twelve months already then for long term gain. Gain. Yes. Okay. 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 This this month was twelve months. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure that date passed because you'd hate to like sell it now and then <laughs> the long term gain right. comes and let's say six days it's like 
oh, now I'm taxed at ordinary income rather than the tax favored rate of long term gains. Well, well, yeah. And, and Robbie, let, let us look at the numbers here with you here because I, I want to see, first of all, what the business looks like to see if it is worth holding or not. So, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk well, more they about do, uh, Go ahead. Uh, cloud, cloud RAM mm -hmm. for cloud infrastructure. So it's a tech company. Okay. As yeah, a tech company. Okay. So let me look at the numbers here and we'll, we'll make a determination as we go along. So we'll have more of a conversation about that in a minute. Again, company is Netlist Incorporated, symbols NLST. Now, I do not see any PE ratio versus 21 for the industry. Price to sales, very expensive, 34.3 versus 0.83. Price to book value, 228 versus not material. And unfortunately, no price to cash flow versus 7.2 for the industry. So apparently, the company does not have any cash flow. Their sales are looking pretty good, uh, up 33.3% above the industry at 5 Earnings per share, they were up 24%, which was double the industry at 12.9. Looking at the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 1.2 versus 0.9. Debt to equity, not very good, 307 versus 210. So it appears to be a high debt industry. No return on equity. Uh, not sure why that is, unless there's not equity, but there'd have to be because you got the total debt to equity. So something strange there. I guess they're not, they're not having any return. We do see a net profit margin of a negative 20.5 versus a positive 4. Uh, receivable turnover is 8.8 .8 versus 6. Inventory turnover, not so good, 5.7 versus 8. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so current price here for net list is $7.55. The 52-week high is $7.85. And as you said there, Robbie, 52-week low, $0.42. Cents. So it's it's just done phenomenal. Uh, thing that, that worries me, I go out to December 2022. I'm going to point out the sales here first. The sales are estimated to be $100 million. Oh. And I'll point that out because the market cap is now $1.6 I mean, that is a substantial price to sales multiple. And unfortunately, I, I look at the earnings side of it, they're estimated to lose $0.06. Cents. So the numbers just don't look very good here. I don't know if the, the patent kind of information has been filtered into these analysts, but I, I, I'm not feeling comfortable with it. I, I feel as if the downside is much higher than the upside potential. And you talked about maybe waiting for the settlement. One thing that concerns me is everybody now knows about what happened with the case. That is, if anything goes less favorable on the settlement, you could see the stock just fall off a cliff. If all of a sudden they say, well, actually, Google, you can maybe retry this case if you'd like. Right. And I don't know enough about the case to kind of give you information on that. But just kind of pointing out, if there's any small detail that is not favorable, this will have a huge impact on the stock. I know personally yeah. I would sell it. Yeah, and, and Robbie, what could happen is that Google peels it, and then it goes years in court. Uh, I think you said it paid $0.50. Cents. It's now, what, $7.55. So you've done extremely well. There's no fundamental reason to hold on to this company because that, and that's what I was kind of looking for. Does it make sense? Maybe hold it through this because if you if something happens like they appeal it or by some reason they don't win or they yeah they don't win, uh, this stock will go back down to fifty cents. Um, but this one, I, I just don't see the fundamental reason why to hold on to it. You've done extremely well. It's possible that uh, the stock goes to fifteen, but it, it's just there's nothing there to do that. You would feel. I, in my opinion, you probably feel very bad if it goes from seven fifty-five down to a dollar. It's like, gosh, I should have sold it because all this is based on what's going to go on in the courts, and the courts can be a very crazy place to be at. Fundamentally, there's no reason to hold on this company. So we are, we are, I think both are agreeing to, to, to sell this. Yeah, and I, I think it could be kind of riding the hype wave as maybe a potential acquisition target. I mean, it, it has mm. seventy employees. 
to have a $1.6 billion market cap and 70 employees. I mean, this is a tiny company and their, their technology. I, I don't know enough about it, but it could be, as I said, an acquisition target. But again, if all of a sudden Google says, ah, we'll actually develop our own technology on that or other companies say that, that could again have a big impact on it. So that's why I'm just saying I think the downside is much higher than the upside here. Yeah, I, like I say, congratulations on doing this, Absolutely. but it's really very difficult now because of- uh, That we've been analyzing is what might happen is that Google might buy this company. And if it does, how would that affect the stock price? Well, I mean, it depends what Google comes in with it, but but I I I don't see that happening because usually if you're in litigation with somebody, there's kind of like bad blood there, and I don't think Google would say, okay, you're you know we're gonna buy. Yeah, you have I, a different I, feeling. I mean, they, they could. I I don't know enough about right. the technology where right. how strong the patent is and what the workarounds are because I mean, there's a lot of times where suppliers will say you know what fine we'll, we'll figure out a different way to do it there's a, a different methodology to it we don't need to use your patent any longer we can develop something in-house mm-hmm. so, i mean while patents are very nice in protecting your technology there's also certain ways to work around those patents to produce the same outcome with with different inputs so as i said i don't know enough about the technology i think you're riding a hope wave there and, and at what price is this company really worth to google is that already baked in the stock i mean there's the upside maybe it goes to 850 a share? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know what Google would value this company at. I don't know what they use them for. But I, as I said, the, my big concern is all of a sudden Google says, oh, we found a different way to do it. We don't even care about the litigation any longer. It's like, well, this company is worthless. Right, right. And, and, and again, it sounds like you've done a lot of reading on this, Robbie, which is good, but just so hard to analyze, you know, the patents, the technology, what the court's going to do. There's just so many variables here that can burn you. Uh, and you've done extremely well on it. I mean, you have a, a what, a uh, 1,400% gain or something. Um, and it, the stock, again. It was Christmas morning for me. What's that? A couple of weeks ago. It was Christmas morning for me. A couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so sometimes I think you take your profits and say, wow, I did well on that. And don't look back because it, it could go higher. But there's just so many variables in there. And, and one thing when, when we do our investing, we're, we're trying to take out those variables. We're trying to really, I mean, with investing, you try to, Get as positive as you can, some good information to make you feel that, yes, I can hold on to this. And again, with, with Netlist, I'm, I'm just not seeing anything because it's really writing on the court uh, and the patents, which we don't know enough about. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Well, good luck there. Let us know what you do. All right, Robbie? Well, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 2473. That reminds me that we have our workshop coming up July 22nd. That's this Thursday at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. You're going to learn why value investing works best longer term, why financial analysis can reduce your emotional roller coaster, and how we build portfolios for all kinds of markets. But you got to sign up, and it is free. Sitting is limited, but go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Listen for Brianna. She could just signed up. And again, looking forward to seeing you this Thursday, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch uh, for the Smart Investing Workshop. All righty. Let's see where we're at here. I think uh, now we're going to go out to John in Coronado. John, you're in the Smart Investing Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you out? 
Yeah, hi guys. Tell you what, you know the the stock I'm looking at is CSX Corporation, railroad company. Mm-hmm. And and um, I've owned it in the past. I don't own it right now. They just split it four for one, and uh, you know, the the entry price looks attractive on it. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you're calling this one, John, because I, I kind of would like to buy a railroad company, but I, I'm afraid I'm not going to get the price that I want because I think with all the movement and technology, we talked earlier in the show about the ship containers and so forth, there's a lot of goods moving around the country. This may be a great mm-hmm. time to own a railroad company at the right price. So let's take a look at CSX Corporation. That is their symbol, CSX. We do see a P-E ratio on the high side, 26.8 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales, 6.8 versus 1.1. Price to book value, 7.5 versus a 17.5 versus 8.3. And oh, price of book value, 5.4 versus not material. We do see that they pay a 1.2% dividend. Use 30% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are down 10.5% year over year, but that is not as bad as the industry, down 48%. Earnings per share fell by 14.9. The industry was down 2,590%. The balance sheet for CSX, not looking too bad. I mean, we've got a current ratio of 2.4 versus 0.9. That, that is actually pretty good, but what I, I'm a little bit concerned about, debt to equity 124. Now, the whole industry, which surprised me, has a debt to equity of 16,000. When I see it coming to get to like 120, 130 debt to equity, I, I get a little bit nervous. Uh, return on equity is 21.6 versus negative 7.67. Net profit margin, 25.6 versus a negative 19.5. Receivable turnover, 10.7 versus 5. Inventory turnover is 8 uh, versus not material. And this is in the industry. I'm just surprising these industry numbers. It's in the industry of, uh, what is that, railroad freight operators. I'm kind of surprised at some of these strange numbers. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, one thing I'm kind of curious on, too, is how this administration's negative feelings on pipelines is affecting rail. It should be a benefit, you would think, for rail. Uh, should be a benefit because oh, yeah. of the pipelines. you got to transport that oil by either truck or by rail. You're right. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I do wonder if they've benefited at all from, from the cancellation of the Keystone and uh, talks of cancellations of other pipelines. But regardless of that, let's take a look at the numbers here for CSX Corporation. The current price, $31.51. <laughs> 52-week high, well, that's $34.96, and 52-week low, $22.69. If I go to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $1.65. What gives us a target sell price, unfortunately, of just $27.39. So I love the industry. I, I think it's a very good company, a very good industry to be in, but it, it's just pricey right now. John, I think a lot of people think it's a good industry to be in right now. Yeah, and, and this is one that I would have loved to have bought back in uh, probably April of last year. I, I remember back in um, uh, 2008, 2009, during the Great Recession, uh, I bought a railroad, which did extremely well because they were beaten up so bad, like, oh, we're going through a recession and so forth. Well, the same thing here. You should have bought like a year ago. Now, with everything going on, it's already baked in the price. So uh, I, w- I would not buy back into this level, uh, John. I, I would probably uh, look other places there. All righty. Okay, you know another place that Harrison didn't mention, as far as tax-free, um, a tax-free haven, is Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. What? He did say in the union, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I've been to Puerto Rico. I don't, I don't really like it. 
It, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it was just kind of, uh, it, it, it reminded me, I got to be careful here what I say, but it kind of reminded me of a Tijuana a little bit. So, yeah. 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 So I, I would, well, I, I still would feel comfortable in the union. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, so. yeah. it's an idea, though. Somebody yeah. might like Puerto Rico. Yeah. So you never know. Thanks, John. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You know, John actually brings up a good point, though. Of, you know, there's other countries that people have heard of people ah, i'm gonna go retire in costa rica or you yeah. know puerto rico i don't know if i'd ever go that far but hey if if you like seclusion i think it it might make sense you could buy some great properties down there for very minimal dollars oh yeah yeah i, I still have you know i was born american usa the flag still gets me excited I could never leave the country, Oh no. You know, and, and that's that's the hard part for me is that I, I would find some place to go. And then again, the other thing too is not just about, you know, you go with the family. Yep. You know, you you go to uh, again Costa Rica or whatever, that's a long way to fly back to see, oh, now my son daughter has a grandchild. I'm not going to see that very often cuz I can't come back, you know. So, eh, there's always other things yeah. to it. Yeah. I, I just know I've talked to it, it doesn't happen very often, right. but we there's been a couple people that have said, "Well, I'm thinking about retiring outside of the United States." Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a, a client uh, gentleman that I've known for years. He's thinking about going to um Philippines. For, yeah, cuz he said it's <laughs> stuff very inexpensive there. Yeah. I live on the beach. So, anyways, uh phone number is 866-577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Call. Call, you're on the Smart Invest Show uh, with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, yesterday I bought Snap S N A P, and at the end of the day I got really snapped. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I bought it at sixty two and it finished at uh, fifty nine something. Ooh. But it has, it is a fast grower, but I don't see no earnings. Okay. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Well, well, let me ask you before we look at this, what was your reasoning for buying Snap? What did you see that you said, this is going to be a company that I'm buying at 62. Uh, I see it down the road going up. Well, what was your reasoning there, Carl? It, it was at high at 70 something. Okay. And then I saw it. On Thursday, it went down, and then on Friday, it went up to 62. I said, maybe it's a snapback. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely have the lingo down for this company, so let's look at the numbers to see what they look like here. The company, again, is Snap Incorporated, symbol is S-N-A-P, uh, and actually, I just realized that it's S-NAP, you know, like take a nap on this one yeah <laughs> okay the uh, i didn't follow you on that one yeah i know that, that was a real big stretch uh no pe ratio you're right here call that there's no pe ratio versus 71 for the industry price of sales very expensive 33 versus 12.7 price to book value 170 versus 104 and no price to cash flow versus 39 i do see the sales are up year over year 51.5 percent well above the industry at 15 Earnings per share climbed by 14.6 versus 11.4. We do see a current ratio of 4.3 versus 2. That's very good, but I will point out no quirk ratio, which means they don't have a lot of cash and short-term investments. Only uh, receivables is, is what kind of worries me there. It's not a strong current ratio, I'll put it that way. 
Total debt to equity, 131 versus 72. That's very high. We see return to equity on negative 48 versus 23. Net profit margin checks in at uh, a negative 32.9 versus a positive 17.9. And the receivable turnover, 5.6 versus 6.5. Chase, I'm very curious, has Snap projected to make money yet? Yeah, well, looking at the current price here, $59.31, 52-week highs, $73.59, and the 52-week low is $20.61. I do go out to December 2022 and see estimated earnings per share of $0.67. Cents. Unfortunately, it would give us a target sell price of $11.12. The whole idea here with this is the growth, as you kind of said yeah. there, Carl, and, and we are getting value investors. This is a growth company. And I'm actually quite surprised. I mean, in 2020, they lost $0.06. Cents. This year, they're estimated to make $0.22. Cents. In 2022, I said estimate 67 cents, and you even put it at 2023, it's $1.37 less analysts. But the idea here is their earnings are growing quite rapidly. Again, that's a growth concept, not a value concept, but I, I'm shocked by it. I, I don't know enough about this business, I guess. I know they have Snapchat, right? but I don't know how you monetize Snapchat in this effective of a manner. So I, I, I don't even really know people that use Snapchat as frequently. I think it's I feel like an older person now saying it, but I think it's a younger crowd. Even <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> and I can say that, but, yeah. you, but, but you're right. But I, I don't know, uh, even my kids, now maybe I've never asked them, but I mean, uh, my one son's 18, my daughter's, what, 24. Um, so, um, but I don't know anybody that uses Snap. And what also I think about, you know, it's really become big is that, uh, that TikTok thing, which yeah. I'm not on that either, but the, I, I, there's only so much time you have. You got TikTok, you got Snap, you got Instagram, which seems to be pretty big. I, I, I just don't like this at this price. And yes, it's possible it could go up, but you're right, Chase, too. How are they going to monetize it? So, Carl, I mean, I, I know you paid 62 and you. You, you, it's at 59 now, so it's, it's kind of a gamble on what's going to happen going forward. It's, it's not one that we yeah. will hold. Uh, it's, it's very, you know, very speculative. Yeah. You know, that they have the report on Thursday, and on Friday there was option expiration. I'm wondering if, if that had something to do. It could have. Very well could have, yes, yes. And that, that's very smart to know that what's going on because the options can move things and the expirations and a lot of, a lot of things. So, And that's why it's so important to have the fundamentals behind it because stocks will do crazy movements up and down. And if you had the fundamentals that back it up saying, well, it's okay, it's a strong company, you feel much better. But this one here, I mean, you're, you're way overpaying for the earnings. You've got some crazy things going on. Uh, it really gets you kind of nervous. And that's why, again, you've been kind of snapped, we'll call it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, call. Okay, thank you. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. I mean, I just look at this, and I understand how you monetize Facebook and Instagram because you can do ads. I I haven't used Snapchat, I think, in five, six years. Really? Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't like it that much. You just send quick snap. Like, it's more of a, almost like a private messaging type thing, unless it's changed. I could be wrong. I know they have, like, right. stories and stuff now, but... I know Facebook, they do the ads on, on the, the news feed and in the middle of stories. I don't know how Snap works that in. So It wasn't one of the benefits of Snap. It only lasted for like 30 days or something and it was gone. Is that oh, it? it's no, it's like 30 seconds. Oh, 30 seconds. Yeah. See, and I don't get that because that's one thing. I, and I've talked about, ah, I don't want to do my Facebook anymore. I'm done with them crazy things. But I like it because all these pictures, I mean, you keep things forever with a yeah. Facebook and stuff. So that kind of gives you some benefit. Well, like, well, gosh, if I got rid of it, you know, all those pictures I've had from five, six years ago, they're going to be gone. Yeah. 
and they, they try and sell themselves as more of like a camera company. Right. I, I, that's at least when I look at their profile. I know they have like eyewear product that connects to video. I, I don't know. I, uh, I so, think so. They're selling product now. That's what it looks like. Really? Like, okay, I, I didn't know that. I've just never heard of it. Yeah. I've never seen it. Don't understand it. So this is one thing that you know. We we actually talked to somebody yesterday. Said buy what you know. Yeah. I don't know this company at all. And we say it's always the beginning of the research. I, I wouldn't even go near Snap just because I, I don't use it, don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. Kind of like that little company down the road that's trying to compete with the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the and now the TikToks. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, back in 2017, Google actually offered $30 billion to buy Snapchat at the time. So there's got to be some worth to it. And uh, also, in terms of ad revenue... Um, the amount of snaps that you watch, they put up an ad right afterwards. So that's how they make their money is if you watch, I don't know, say four or five snaps, an ad automatically pops up in front of you all of a sudden and you have to wait five seconds in order to skip it or so. And then you can go on to the next thing. So I'm thinking that's how they make a lot of their money as well too. And you're calling them snaps. So that's what they call each thing is a snap. Yeah, It's a snap. Like a snapshot. I guess. Yeah. Right. And and Brendan, do you use it, Snapchat? I sure do, but oh. uh, I I haven't been on it as much as like Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. Yeah, and I'm ashamed to say it. I, yeah, I go on TikTok. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you're older or younger than Chase. I'm I think we're sure. about the same age. About the same age. <laughs> Except I, I went to the better college. That's oh. Go Montana State. <laughs> All right, we'll turn him down, then we'll talk about Northern Arizona. <laughs> yeah. we'll okay. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before I go back to the calls, I want to promote the workshop because it is going to be this Thursday, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. That's July 22nd. We're going to be talking about uh, why valuation uh, why value investing works best uh, long-term for you, how you can give you reduce your emotions, uh, why financial analysis reduces your emotions. If you understand you got something to hold on to, it can feel much better. You've actually bought a business. And also, too, how we build portfolios to weather all kinds of markets. Uh, we go over many different things for you. We also go over things that you should not be doing, maybe mistakes you've made to show you not to make those again. Uh, what you have to do is go to our website, Smart Investing 2000 dot com that's smart investing 2000.com or call the office 858-546-4306 that's 858-546-4306 and we don't get you signed up looking forward to seeing you at the workshop the smart investing workshop this thursday july 22nd six o'clock in scripps ranch and we will have some appetizers for you uh to help you carry through that uh sugar low i guess we'll call it so already let's go back to the phones let's go down to chula vista and speak with brian Ryan, you're in the Smart Investor Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. How you doing? Fantastic. Hey, uh, before uh, I get to Biogen, uh, I called you guys about three years ago or four years ago on Netlist and uh, uh, still holding. Wow. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see, man. It's, it's been a ride. But uh, I've also called before on Biogen, but uh, interested in your comments on uh, on them right now. And I think you said you called three years ago. Is that what you said? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll be hearing from you again in what 2024? Is that right, Brian? <laughs> uh, could be, could be, maybe sooner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and do you hold Biogen or looking to buy it? Yeah, no, I hold it definitely. Okay. 
All right, let's take a look at the box. Took some off the table, though. Took some off the table, but uh, uh, it's it's been crazy, too. Yes, yes, it has been a crazy company lately here. So we're going to look at the Biogen Incorporated, symbol is BIIB. Good start here, P-E ratio 17 versus not material for the industry. We do see price of sales 3.9, well below the industry at 10.8. Price to book value 25 versus 12. And price of cash flow 13.8 versus 401. We do see year-over-year year sales are down 12.6%, industry up 24.1%. Earnings per share for Biogen fell by 41%. The whole industry was down only 3.7%. The balance sheet looks pretty strong. Current ratio 2.1 versus 3.6. Total debt to equity 68 for Biogen. That's above the industry at 40.7, but that's not a high debt to equity. I'm fine with that type of uh, debt they're carrying. Return to equity 25.9 versus a negative 18.3. We do see net profit margin checks in at 24.4 versus a negative 26.6. And receivable turnover 5.2 versus 4.9. Inventory turnover 1.8, just slightly under the industry at 1.98. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? There's a current price here for Biogen, $324.62. 52 week high, we know after they got that approval for a Dunicon nub. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good effort there. I'll give you that. <laughs> their, their Alzheimer's drug is, is the one I'm referring to. They did hit $468.55, and they did a, hit a low on the 52-week time frame of $223.25. So kind of right smack dab in the middle of the low and high. But going out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $21.05. Would give us a target sell price of $349.43. But the issue with Biogen has been the kind of consistency of those earnings. I mean, if you look at the high estimates for $33.43, the lows $15.04, so there's a huge discrepancy there between the low and the high, and a lot of that stems from how prominent will this Alzheimer drug be and how widely accepted will uh, doctors make it. Yeah, and, and Brian, this is one that, uh, again, it was kind of disappointing. They did very well coming out with this drug. We kind of knew it was coming out. The stock didn't hit, hit what, 468 I think maybe one share sold that price. But from then, it just yeah. went down continuously. And I did see on the business news the other day, I believe it was either a hospital or a nursing care home said, we are not going to be prescribing this drug. We're, we're not going to do it. And that worries me. There's people after them. Uh, and it's such a shame because I, my personal opinion was I think it was something good. But if the uh, industry doesn't feel that way, doctors won't prescribe it, hospital carry it. Uh, and, and I think as Eli Lilly has one that's coming, that got approval for what, a rapid release? Yeah, but I think that wouldn't come out until maybe end of next year, end of next early year. 2023, I think yeah. is what we looked at. But the, the thing that concerns me as well is the Medicare investigation. Oh, is, yeah. You know, a lot of senators are knocking this is if Medicare won't cover it, that's going to be a very expensive out-of-pocket drug that, that not many people can take. So that's one thing that I think could weigh quite heavily on this stock is if Medicare comes out and says, nope, we won't pay for any of it, and then I think it, it could be a big problem. I think it wasn't like $59,000 a year or something. I believe so. And, and they were saying that the cost to Medicare could be quite substantial if they did cover the amount that Biogen wanted them to. Yeah, and actually Medicare is not in great financial shape. We, we know that. And, and they could have to lower the price of drug to say, okay, we'll go from 59000 down to, I don't know, 25000 Still, Still a lot of money, but that would cut their profits in half. And they expect it to be a, a billion dollar, I think a $6 billion drug. Mm -hmm. Now you got the Medicare, you got the lawsuits, you got doctors not doing it, you got Eli Lilly. You got um, people 
calling for the FDA heads to step down, and then uh, people on the advisory council that voted against yeah. it, they've all stepped down. Not all, but uh, a lot of them have stepped down as well. So there, there's a lot of kind of, I'm going to say, political turmoil going on with this this stock at the time. And what was the target uh, sell price? You 349 349 yeah. So it's just about a, a sell. sell. Hopefully it doesn't drop more. Uh, so, Brian, yeah, I mean, I, I would say if it hits that 349 I know you've sold some of it. Uh, I would have to say yep. get rid of the rest and watch the news closely because what concerns me is that it could fall more as more bad news comes out. So be very careful. All righty? Right. Got it. All righty. Thanks, All right. guys. And we'll talk to you in 2024. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, Hopefully. Hopefully before then. <laughs> okay, yeah. Brian. Adios. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Lane. Lane, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'd like your opinion of Valero Energy. It's been declining recently, and I'm kind of curious why, with the demand for oil and other diesel products they're refining, why it would go down in price. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. Okay. Has a good has a good yield. Yes, yes, it does have a very good yield. So uh, coming again is Valero Energy Corporation, symbols VLO. Uh, no PE ratio, same as the industry, obviously, because an energy company over the last 12 months, earnings weren't really there. We do see price of sales, though, however, looking very good for Valero, 0.4 versus 3.09 for the industry. Price to book value is 1.5 versus 1.95. And then price of cash flow, they actually have cash flow, 11.2 versus nine. And you are correct. They pay a nice 6% dividend. Uh, they do not have the earnings to pay that out now because the past 12 months that was not there. They had didn't have the earnings. Uh, we do see sales are down 40% year over year. Industry was down 30%. Earnings per share fell by 170% for, for, for Valero uh, versus decline of six for the industry. Uh, balance sheet uh, 1.4 versus 1.1. Uh, that's the current ratio. Debt to equity is 82 versus 80. Uh, we do see return to equity for Valero is a negative 1.5, not as bad as the industry at a negative 23. So I think probably when earnings come out, we could see some positives when the earnings release, probably I'm going to say in the next uh, few weeks or so. Net profit margin, it is a positive. It's not by much, but a 0 0.4 uh, versus a negative 32. And again, that will probably change when new earnings come out, I'm, I'm hoping. We do see receivable turnover is a 12.5, double the industry is 6.8, and inventory turnover 13.7 versus 8.2. Chase, let's take a look at the earnings, see if they say why the stock's been declining lately. Yeah, so current price here for Valero was $64.88, 52-week high $84.95, and that low $35.44. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.02. We'll give us a target sell price of $83.33. So the numbers look very strong on Valero. As you said, when you get a nice dividend here with the company, I, I to answer your question, why is the stock declining with the energy demand and with these good valuations? I don't know. And yeah. that's the thing about the stock market in the short term. It is absolutely crazy and can make no sense at times. So yeah. this seems to be one of those cases where it, it's just not adding up and it, it seems like it could present a very nice buying opportunity. One thing I know about Valero is it's a very volatile stock. I, yeah. it, it moves up and down, and it could be profit-taking. As I said, 35.44 was the low. I mean, some people say, ah, I'm up 100%. I'll, I'll take my profits and get out of this company because it's too volatile. 
I look at it saying, hey, you get a nice 5% yield, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now the yield 6%. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth buying at these levels here. It, it is an energy stock, as Chase said. It's very volatile, so be prepared for that. But I do not see energy going away next year, uh, even two years. I mean, we, we talk about, uh, and there's so many other things that, that they have to refine oil for. Um, you know, asphalt, makeup plastics chemicals yeah yeah. many things so i know the big concern is like oh my gosh you know cars gonna be all electric well that's not gonna happen i don't think i'll ever buy or drive an electric car and i like this company too they have a large renewable diesel segment which kind of appeases the the current administration's green energy push so uh they they kind of have the ability to play both sides of the spectrum there so i i think it's a good one there wayne i i I wouldn't uh worry about it i I got a good balance sheet good uh, dividend, good valuations. I, I think it's a good one. And this is also coming. Go, go ahead. I think I think they have a division in England or Europe too for the refining. Uh, they were, very well could have. I, I'm, I'm not going to say yay or nay on that, but they very well could have. And what I was going to point out is that their five-year uh, dividend growth rate is 18%. So not only do they pay a good yeah. dividend now, they could grow that dividend down the road. So, I mean, if you hold the stock for, what, five years, um, you're going to get, uh, what, 30%. Uh, just off of that, of that, yeah, with no growth right. on the stock at all. So I, I, I like the company. It's, it's again. I think energy is, is here. It's not going to leave tomorrow. Uh, and you're getting it. It's, it's on sale now. So we don't know why the stock has fallen, but that's what's nice about the volatility. It gives you time to buy it. So can I make good. a suggestion? Sure. Looking for if we're if we're looking for yields, and, you know, a lot of stocks don't have yields right right now, and versus what the, they're paying in the banks. Could you do a comparison of different a couple of REIT stocks? Because there's so many different sectors of reach, you know what I mean. Um, we actually so do. we could get an idea of how do you and reach aren't easy to invest in it because you have to analyze them different than a normal stock or a company. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we actually will hold a couple of reach in our portfolio. We we get a call on a reach here in the sta- station once in a while on the show once in a while, but uh, it'd be so hard to do that because there are a lot of reads <laughs> out there. A lot, there. there's hundreds. Yeah, and, and, and again, it just kind of shows yeah. you the amount of research we do that's, behind that's the scenes. That's the difficulty I'm having. That's why I'm calling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't give you away which reads we yeah. like there. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to do which ones you like. You know, this, well, this one does this, and this one does this, and let's look. Let's the average listener figure out which is the good and which is the bad one. You know what I mean? well, and Lane, what you can do is you come in the office for the consultation, become a client, then you know everything we're doing. <laughs> can I ask you one more question? You sure. said you bought a new car. Did you buy the new Corvette? No, I, I well, I, actually, it was like six months ago. Now I bought the new Escalade, the Calic Escalade. Oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we have a mutual friend, our accountant. He got the new Corvette. It's a beautiful car in the lot. So. Yes, yes, it is a beautiful car. Yeah. And I, I I've yeah. thought about it, but I don't have any space left in the car, and I am looking at another. <laughs> I'm looking at another used Lamborghini, trying to put in that last space I have. So, but the Corvette would look nice <laughs> in there too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good day. You too, Lane. Thanks for calling. Bye bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Nyland. Is that what it is? Nyland? Okay, let's go to William in Nyland. William, you're on the Smart Vegetable with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, Well, I have a question. I didn't know who else to ask, and I heard you guys this morning, and I thought you would be the ones. We will try. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a recreational uh, marijuana user, but I'm also a medicinal marijuana user. I have a prescription for that since 2007. And as it turns out, my sport, hang gliding, 
It's now called recreational hang gliding. Hmm. And it should be one word. But the point is, um, when I have an accident and uh, the people, the first responders have to come get me, I kind of want them to know that I'm insured, I'm covered. I'm, I'm, a re- I'm a responsible, I'm a certified recreationalist. And I have a recreation rider on my insurance policy, and somehow I'm going to pay for it because I want to be a responsible American. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering what what's the likelihood of uh, us buying some kind of insurance when we buy our medicine or we uh, visit a hang gliding site and we have to buy insurance. I sold insurance um, as an example, uh, $4 a year for a half million dollar policy, which covers the city of San Diego right. and the members of the Troy Pines hang. Okay. So, so we need insurance as recreational people um, that are now uh, have this recreational substance that's almost competing with medicinal use. And I think we need some, some attention to this area because there's going to come a time when uh, all these forces and factors are going to come together and we're going to want to know why we didn't ask this question earlier. And I, and I guess I'm, I, okay. I may be missing, what is the question? Can we get the insurance or what are you actually asking? And uh, What are you actually asking there, William? Insurance man, could you offer me a recreational rider on my... Uh, and there's all kinds of things that are riders on my insurance yeah. policy. Yeah. yeah. But you can see because of the terminology we're using right now and identifying activities and substances that we need some clarification. In the meantime, if I have a mistake, I want the first responders and the people that are taking me out and taking me to the hospital and the hospital people to know that I have insurance because I'm covered, I'm recreating, and I want to call that to your attention because I can see it's going to be a problem. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, because we don't sell insurance. I, I know there's so many different types of riders. I, I can understand what you're saying with the recreational side. Um, and to be quite frank with you, I'm not sure if that's a, a path that people are considering. I'm not sure uh, what type of riders exactly are. I know there's so many different types of riders. I just, I, I'm not sure since we don't sell insurance, I'm not super familiar with the products. Right, right, yeah. And, well, and, and uh, maybe, maybe somebody out there kind of hears it and, and uh, has some ideas to it. But, uh, and I, I know what you're trying to say about being responsible, but I'm just thinking too, as you were talking, uh, is people that do like uh, four wheeling and people that do like jet skis and stuff, this whole recreational industry uh, would be nice to have insurance because you're right. The, although I don't think you, do you when, when the police come or the ambulances come or the fire trucks, I, I don't think you ever have to pay for that. I, this is something kind of out of my my realm. I, I don't. I can't really help you here. William. I mean, yeah, because we we do like, well, we have like cybersecurity insurance. I mean, yeah. there's insurance for all these different items, and uh, definitely not our area of special. And, and one thing I'd recommend is if you get the insurance, I'm sure there's insurance companies that will insure it. Is what I would maybe do is purchase T-shirts that say I'm insured with such and such. So if you do. <laughs> have an unfortunate accident hang gliding they know that oh he is insured i mean that that's all i can come up with and that's probably not what you want to hear but that's the best <laughs> i can do for you uh so william nice shot. Ho- okay. ho- hopefully somebody will maybe hear that maybe give us a call back on that all righty okay. uh you got my number i'm out here by salvation mountain and uh all i right. hope to talk to you again have okay. a good day gentlemen you too thanks Thank for you. calling Bye. bye-bye all right that does open the phone line 866-577 Two four seven three. That's eight six six.
2473. And before we go back to the calls, I want to announce one more time about the workshop coming up. I can't believe it's here already. This Thursday, July 22nd at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch, we'll be talking about how to invest using fundamental analysis. We'll show you all the things we do in our portfolio, what I've done for over 40 years, what I've learned over 40 years. We'll talk about how to get future target sell prices, what to look at the numbers. We do go over the financial statements, explain more to you what you hear on the radio show to make you a smarter investor. Now, what you have to do is you got to sign up for the workshop. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. And look forward to seeing you this Thursday, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch for the Smart Investing Workshop. Look forward to seeing you then. All righty, let's go out to, let's see, I think Rose in San Diego. Rose, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Hi, guys. I um, wanted your opinion on Avangrid. It's a Connecticut renewable utility company, and I don't own it. I'm thinking of buying it. Um, it's not much for appreciation, but insiders are buying, so that's always a good sign. And it pays a nice 3.2% dividend. And I'm wondering, is it a strong company uh, to hold for the dividends? And um, what's a good buy price for it? And, and Rose, what was the name of that company again? A Vanguard. A symbol A is an Apple, G is in Go, R is in Rose. Okay, I'm getting. Uh, let me see. Maybe, oh, maybe it's not a uh, American company. Let me see. I'm looking down here. No, it's Connecticut. Connecticut Utility Renewable uh, Energy Utility Company. Uh, you got anything on that, Chase? I'm I'm, I'm getting like uh, Adgen Tech Systems, Orange Company. Uh, I'm not finding it yeah, here. Yeah, looks like we're having. I see it on Yahoo. You see it on Yahoo? Well, yeah. Uh, for some reason, how, how how big is the company, Rose? Um, how big is the company? Well, let's see. It got has seven thousand employees, and it's a sixteen billion dollar uh, market cap too. Okay, so you. so so you find out for some reason Reuters is uh it, yeah, it may I, have missed I got it the, on Yahoo. Um, well, let's do it on Yahoo. We'll, we'll give you and maybe call in next week, Rose, because maybe it will be on Reuters. And for some reason, it, it missed the screen. It's obviously not a small company, but Reuters yeah. is just not having it here. So, go ahead, yeah. Chase. Uh, well, so let's take a look at some numbers here for a Van Grid. Uh, current price here fifty three dollars seventy eight cents. Uh, fifty two week low forty four dollars and two cents, and kind of near its fifty two week high here fifty six dollars and twenty cents. Now, there's that yield you talk about there, Rose. The forward yield is 3.29%. Um, I mean, that's good, especially considering where the 10-year note is at. But I, I, I'm not super impressed by the yield. I, I think there's other opportunities uh, that have a little bit better yield with, I think, more price appreciation. And kind of to look at that, if we look at the forward earnings for the company, I mean, nine different analysts. We got to 2022 I see an estimate for earnings per share of $2.46. It would give us a target sell price of $40.84. So I was a little bit worried because you talk about the renewable side. I think a lot of that's baked into it. And as I said, target sell price $40.84, current price $53.78. So I think it is a more expensive utility at this time. And I mean, the yield is, it's decent, but I think you could find a better utility uh, it may not be renewable, but I think it would offer more price appreciation and a better yield as well. 
And what was the yield, Rose? Two and a half, you said? 3.29. 3.29. 3.29, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah not, not much on appreciation, but, you know, it just seems to waver uh, <laughs> between 56 and, <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the 40s. And the insiders have been systematically buying some, so I don't know. But, yeah. Do you ever give opinions on closed-end funds? Um, not really. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of hard to, uh, kind of look at because again, when you look at a fund, you want to look at what's inside the fund. It would take a long time to really give you a good analysis on what that fund actually is because you got to kind of mm-hmm. look at all the different ones on there. So, um, I mean, I kind of like closed end funds to some degree, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would not be able to give you a good, uh, opinion on a, a closed end funds without spending probably at least an hour or so looking more deeply. <laughs> what the hold, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we put the whole station on hold. Okay, just hold on for for an hour here while we do some research. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, talk to you later. Okay, Rose, thanks for calling. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Um, bye-bye. Um, yeah, that, that, that would be, uh, and it used to be, you know, closed end funds have been around for a long time. And uh, to actually analyze the closed-end funds, the mutual funds, uh, ETFs, um, people really need to spend some time with those to really – and it's not just like the past performance or other things. You've got to really take a look to see – Morningstar ratings. Morningstar ratings, yeah. You, and, and we do this for our clients when they uh, are clients of ours and have a 401K someplace else. We'll actually look at the funds that they can pick from or the ETFs to say, yes, this looks good. But we do spend some time looking at – well, what is that fund investing in? Is it a, and, and again, sometimes we find some strange things where you say, oh, it's a value fund, but in reality, it wasn't a value fund. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I, there's a lot of what we call style drift, it seems like, with value yeah. investors where they might have bought Microsoft years ago. And you know, Microsoft used to be a value company. So and, now, yeah. and Apple used to be a value company. So now they've held these positions and they don't necessarily want to get out of them, but now it's not a value company any longer. It's a growth company. Styles can change as well, which people don't understand is, well, I thought you said Apple was a, a growth company. Well, it used to be a value company, and it very well could be a value company five years from now. Yep. So things change over time, and uh, you know, a lot of fund managers seem to have that style drift, which we say, nope, it's not a value yeah. company anymore. And, and, and we don't do that. I mean, you know, we had Apple. When it hit its target sell price, we sold it. Um, and again, we stick to our value investing. Mm-hmm. But you're right. A lot of these mutual fund, they don't do that because they don't want to give it up. And I think there's going to be a lot of people are very disappointed down the road. Like, well, I thought it was value investing. Well, you look at it. No, if you had Microsoft and Apple and some other ones that used to be value, they didn't have the discipline to sell when it hit hit a price. So yeah, yeah. So alrighty. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for today. Thank you for listening. to Smart Investing Show. It, it oh, there's a closing bell. It is for information purpose only and should not be used as investment advice. If you like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips go to our facebook page smart investing with brent and chase wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by thompson Reuters refinitive closing song frank sinatra's my way is performed by local entertainer roman palacis have a great day we'll talk more next week right here on the smart investing show I did all that. And may I say, not in a this program is sponsored by wilsey asset management